Good evening. My name is Jonathan, and tonight's reading from the Old Testament comes from Psalm 103, verses 6 through 14. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are made of dust. The word of the Lord. Hello, my name is David. The New Testament reading is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. Every priest stands every day serving and offering the same sacrifices over and over. Sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when this priest offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, he sat down at the right side of God. Since then, he's waiting until his enemies are made into a footstool for his feet, because he perfected the people who are being made holy with one offering for all time. The word of the Lord. Good evening. My name is Rick. Thank you for standing for the gospel reading found in John 8, 2 through 11. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's remain standing as we pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask now that by the breath of your Holy Spirit, you would awaken our hearts to know your love and mercy. Call us to yourself. Conform us to the image of your Son. We pray these things for your glory in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. There was once a man who walked barefoot in the snow for days and stood outside 
three days in a row with his head uncovered, begging for forgiveness from the only person whose opinion mattered to him. Sounds like an epic love story, doesn't it? Sounds like the stuff that pop songs are written about. In fact, the year was 1077, and the man was the Holy Roman Emperor, King Henry IV, walking to beg for forgiveness from Pope Gregory VII, who had excommunicated him. It was just the latest in a series of power struggles between church and state, and this, many historians say, was the linchpin, the key moment that reversed the power dynamic and made the church in the place of power over the state. And so this once arrogant and powerful emperor stood barefoot, bareheaded in the snow, begging for forgiveness. It's a humorous kind of picture to imagine, but if you think about it, maybe for us, though we are not emperors, we are equally reluctant to diminish ourselves. We don't want to feel weak. We don't want to beg for mercy. In fact, Repentance and humility are hard for us because they feel too much like humiliation. And the thing that we can't lose is our sense of autonomy and independence, our sense of strength and power. And if we acknowledge that one day we will die, and if we acknowledge that actually we have sinned, and if we bend our knee, won't we become weak? And maybe at the heart of this question, the, the way that it kind of gnaws at us in our bones is what will God do when he finds that we've been brought low? What kind of God do we find when we have been brought low by life? After all, life has a way of leaving us barefoot and bareheaded in the snow. Life has a way of bringing us low, and it could be our own sin, could be our own failures and our own shortcomings, our own daily reminders of how we fall short, or it could just be the cruelty of this world. It could be the suffering that breaks us, bends us, makes us bow low. It could be the accusing voice of others that speaks the word of shame that says, I know who you are. This is who you actually are. And I'll never forget what you did. And you'll never get away with sin, suffering, shame, all of the works that work together that swirl to bring us low. And what? What will God do when he finds us bowed down? When he finds that we've been brought low? God, the King of all kings, the sovereign of all sovereigns, what will he do when he finds us in this place of weakness? John's gospel tells the story of Jesus finding a woman in a place where others have accused her. John 8, the story begins in verse 2. Early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in, their, in the midst. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. So Jesus, are you greater than Moses? Jesus, are you above the law? Jesus, what do you say? Isn't that the question we all have? Jesus, what do you say? I know what my mom used to say about me. I know what my old school teacher used to say about me. I know what my friends used to say about me. I know what my spouse says about me. 
I know what my adult kids now say about me in therapy. <laughs> But Jesus, what do you say? Jesus, what do you say? I want you to pay attention tonight to the posture of the Messiah. I want you to pay attention to the bodily movements of Jesus in this story. Verse 6, it says, they, this they said to test him that they might bring some charge against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. The first thing I want us to see tonight is that Jesus, when he finds us brought low by sin or by suffering or by shame, Jesus bends down with us. Jesus, the king of heaven, came into our world down, down, down as a helpless baby crying in a manger but that was only the beginning of the descent down down he would go to the garden of gethsemane down down he would go even though it was geographically up a hill <laughs> down down he would descend into the depths of the grave jesus bends down with us suffering a death on the cross It was so humiliating, so vile, that even Romans would not speak of such a death. Even Roman citizens, the ones who invented or perfected, rather, this instrument of torture, if they happened to see outside the, the city domain, if they happened to see someone being crucified, they would avert their eyes, and it would be impolite to bring it up as a dinner conversation. You know what I saw today? They'd never speak of it. Jesus became the unspoken the unnamed, the stranger, the ignored, the outcast, and the humiliated. Friends, there is no depth so low that you are out of the reach of Jesus. Jesus bends down with us. And then it says in verse 7, and as they continue to ask him, like, hey, hey, don't you have an answer here? He stood up. He stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her friends. Jesus stands up for us. Jesus stands up for us. When the voices of the accuser, when the voice of the liar, when the tapes keep playing in your head over and over again and you don't know how to make the noise go away, understand that you have a Savior who stands up for you. Jesus stands up for us. It can feel lonely. It can feel like nobody knows. The standing up of Jesus, the pushing back of these accusers is more than just identifying with a woman in her place and moments of weakness. This is a standing in solidarity, a display of strength on her behalf. And then in verse 8, it says, and once more, he bent down, and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up one more time. And he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you from now on sin no more. No more. Jesus Jesus speaks the last word over us. Jesus speaks 
the last word over us. See, so many times we think that the story of Christianity is a story of an angry God who just wants to tell us about all the rules we've broken. And maybe some of you grew up kind of hearing about this stuff and it actually made you want to keep Jesus and keep the church and keep Christianity at an arm's length because you said, I don't need any more judgment in my life. I don't need anyone else telling me how I failed. I've got plenty of people telling me that. Thank you very much. And you've, you've been convinced that the only thing that Christians have to say is one more voice about how you failed. Friends, I want to tell you that the Bible begins with God's first word about you being that you are good and blessed and beloved, the creator of the universe. His first word over you is a word of blessing. And his last word over you is a word of forgiveness and belovedness. His, John's gospel is the gospel that opens by calling Jesus the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word of God become flesh. Now think of this. Jesus, who is God's first word of creation, is God's last word of redemption. Jesus, who was God's first word of creation, is God's last word of redemption. No one else gets to write the book on you. No one else gets to say how your story ends. Only Jesus gets to give the last word over you. Jesus speaks the last word over us. This down and up, down and up movement in John 8 actually looks like the whole mission of Jesus. The incarnation, down crucifixion down, the resurrection up, and then the enthronement when Jesus sat down. We heard the New Testament reading from the book of Hebrews. He sat down. The great high priest finished his work and sat down. And one day he'll stand up again to come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And friends, for all who are in Jesus Christ, you need not fear what that judgment is going to be. You have no need to worry. Jesus has stood up. What's he going to say? He's coming again in glory to judge. But what is my life hanging in the balance? No, 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 no. If you are in Christ, you know what that last word over you is going to be. One day the king of kings, one day the king of glory, Jesus the crucified and risen one will stand up and come for you and for me and look you in the eyes and say, mine, 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 beloved child of God, mine, one day, this is what Jesus will say. Commentators have speculated about what in the world Jesus was writing when he was writing in the dust. And I, people have gone to great lengths to calculate the amount of time. Maybe he was writing this phrase from the Torah. I have no idea what he was writing in the dust. But I do know that tonight we are going to write with dust upon your forehead. And what we're going to write on your forehead is not sinner. It's not going to be a black mark or a scarlet letter. But what we're going to write with dust on your forehead is the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of the one who came down and rose up, who sat down and will stand up to come again for you. The Jesus who bent down with us. The Jesus who stands up for us. The Jesus who speaks the last word over us. Would you bow your heads tonight? Jesus, help us to see this. 
Help us to catch a glimpse of your tenderness, your mercy. God who refused to stay far away. God who bends down. God who stands up. God who speaks. Speak into our hearts tonight that we would hear the great word, the word of Jesus Christ claiming us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight's a good night to remember where we came from. Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God took from the dust of the ground and he formed the man. And he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and he became a living being. Tonight as we are prepared to impose ashes on all of our foreheads, we're remembering where we come from. Tonight's a good night to remember that we are not God. Tonight's a night to sit back in humility. Tonight's a good night to relax into our role. God is in charge. We are his creation made in his image. And we're real comfortable with that. Tonight's a good night to remember that God breathes into the dust and the ashes. Tonight's a good night to repent. Do you know where these ashes come from? Ten and a half months ago, you all came to church and little kids had, little girls had pretty dresses on and the boys might have had a little bow tie. It was, it was Palm Sunday. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Woo! And there's ribbons and bows and, and people singing happy songs and it's springtime waving palm branches in the air. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, just like the people of old in the great entry into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Well, this morning, Pastor Evan got up, and he had taken those palm branches out from 10 and a half months ago. They've been stored away. They're dried. They're ready to go. And he took them out, and he burned them down to ash this morning. And tonight what we're doing is we're going to take the very ash from the palm branches of our proclamation ten and a half months ago. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we're going to put them on our forehead because it's, we all know that after ten and a half months, our confession of Jesus Christ has been burned down to nothing. It's kind of taken down to its essence. We need to start over. What we're doing tonight is we're saying, Jesus, I, I meant it ten and a half months ago. I promise you I meant it. But you know that a lot of life has happened in the last ten and a half months. And you know that I've, like a sheep, gone astray and I've turned to my own wicked way. Jesus Christ, you know. And tonight I'm coming to say I remember that I'm dust and to dust I will return. I'm coming to say you are God and I am not. I'm coming to say I'm sorry. Brothers and sisters, tonight's the night of repentance. And repentance is a joy word. Repentance is a healing word. Repentance is an invitation back in to a restart. Repentance is a burning down to its very essence, our confession of faith. Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the right way to start a holy Lent. 
So I want to invite our, our, our friends to come down who are going to impose ashes tonight on our foreheads. There's going to be 12 stations. We're going to ask you to stand here in just a minute. And what you'll do is you'll come out to the left and you'll walk through. There's going to be multiple servers up front. And what you can do is you can either put out your hand if you want it on your, your hand or you can pull your hair back or if you're like me, you just smile. <laughs> and they'll put it right there on your forehead. Servers will make the sign of the cross on your head or on your hand and say, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe what Glenn just said is true. Jesus stands up for us. Repent and believe. Children are welcome and encouraged to participate. Parents, if you're good with that, we would welcome that as a family. And if, if you would prefer not to receive the ashes, no shame. If you're not ready, that's fine. We just ask that you would come through so that people don't have to climb over you. Brothers and sisters, would you stand with me tonight? Brothers and sisters, tonight is good news. It's a restart, it's a return to the very essence of our confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. Tonight is a night for repentance. Come and receive the good news of the gospel. Repentance is a joy word. We come into the presence of God, telling the truth about ourselves, and we expect to get smacked. And instead what we meet is a God who, as Glenn said, stands up for us pleads mercy over us. Think of it. God pleading with God for mercy. That is Jesus our Lord. And what you learn as you walk with this God is that everything is on the table for you. It's always on the table for you. All of God's promises, all of his blessing, all of his goodness. The one thing that you must stop doing is you must stop pretending that it's better than it is. <laughs> The moment that you begin to enter into the truth about your situation is when the mercy rushes to you yeah. and it begins to heal you. And so what we're about to do here, just a moment, is we're going to take an ancient prayer of repentance of the church on our lips. And it is staggeringly and beautifully comprehensive. And all of us will find ourselves in here in some way, shape, or form. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead, and it'll be up on the screen, pastor and congregation. And I want you just to enter into this with me and find yourself in this prayer. And you're going to find lines here that are just going to peel back the layers of self-deception. And as you feel them coming off, sense also the mercy of God rushing towards you. It heals you. and makes you alive. Let's say it together. You can stand. You can kneel. You can sit however you'd like to. Brothers and sisters, say it with me. Most holy and merciful Father. We confess to you and to one another and to the whole communion of saints in heaven and on earth that we have sinned by our own fault in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. Have mercy on us, Lord. We have been deaf to your call to serve as Christ served us. We have not been true to the mind of Christ. 
We have grieved your Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us, Lord. We confess to you, Lord, all our past unfaithfulness, the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience of our lives. We confess to you, Lord, our self-indulgent appetites and ways and our exploitation of other people. We confess to you, Lord, our anger at our own frustration and our envy of those more fortunate than ourselves. We confess to you, Lord, our intemperate love of worldly goods and comforts and our dishonesty in daily life and work. We confess to you, Lord, our negligence in prayer and worship and our failure to commend the faith that is in us. We confess to you, Lord, accept our repentance, Lord, for the wrongs we have done for our blindness to human need and suffering and our indifference to injustice and cruelty, accept our repentance, Lord. For all false judgments, for uncharitable thoughts toward our neighbors and for our prejudice and contempt toward those who differ from us, accept our repentance, Lord. For our waste and pollution of your creation and our lack of concern for those who come after us, Accept our repentance, Lord. Restore us, good Lord, and let your anger depart from us. Favorably hear us, for your mercy is great. Accomplish in us the work of your salvation, that we may show forth your glory in the world. By the cross and passion of your Son, our Lord, bring us with all your saints to the joy of his resurrection. Amen.